When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Podcast on the Future Stars of Major League Baseball, part of the Just Baseball Network. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we're going to take a look back at the 2021 draft. I know, we're not looking too far back here, but I wanted to discuss some of the first-round prospects and maybe a few second-round guys, if we have the time, that have really looked strong out of the gate in their first full professional season this year, because for most of these guys, they either get drafted after a long college season, get drafted after a high school season where, you know, the teams probably want to get them some experience at the complex before and guys after a long college year they may want to especially on the pitcher side limit their innings so this is our first full look at a lot of these guys through the duration of an entire season and I wanted to highlight some of the players that have really stood out and maybe some of the more concerning early draft picks and you know where we should feel or how concerned we should feel about a lot of these guys and I'm not going to spend as much time talking about the players that you know we've been talking about a lot just as you know top prospects in the game right we've been talking a lot about Sal Freelich not going to spend as much time on him Andrew Painter as well part of this draft class I've talked about him plenty want to give more time to other guys so uh, you feel like I'm not repeating myself on every single episode here because I know it's easy to get excited and repeat myself about players like Andrew Painter uh, and some of the others and you know we're going to be talking about them a lot more as we break down those top 100 rankings in the coming days so Let's check in on a lot of these other names and, you know, what you need to know about the first professional season or I guess first full professional season for most of these 2021 draft picks. I'll start with the guys at the top because even though I've mentioned them in passing a little bit and I'm excited to see some of these dudes, especially Henry Davis, a number one overall pick at the Arizona Fall League very soon. Uh, it's been one of those just tough years for Davis health wise and it's hard to judge 
what he has done on the field uh, because he really hasn't been able to get any momentum or consistently be there. I think when he's been on the field, there's been plenty to like. Uh, I don't think there's been any major red flags with Henry Davis in regards to his performance, though the numbers may not be the prettiest because of the fact that he has played in so many different spurts and been disrupted by injury overall this year. Uh, I really think he would have hit the ground running in double A or at least gotten settled in uh, had he been able to just have some consecutive at-bats and consecutive games and work off of what he was learning because you look at what he did through the first 22 games in high A, it was a joke. I mean, he absolutely mashed through that level to start the season. 22 games there, launched five home runs, hit 341, 450, 585, and only struck out 18% of the time. So he gets the bump up to double A and inconsistency with playing time because of the gaps with these injuries that he's had uh, resulted in some inconsistent numbers there, right? A 208, 328, 366 slash line from the number one overall pick. What's crazy is offense has been so iffy at that level. His meager slash line is still good for a 96 WRC plus, but he's a much better hitter than that. We're going to see that in the fall league. I think he's going to be one of the best performers out there in the fall league. And even over the last handful of games, he started to get a little bit more momentum going into the end of the season here. And I think he's going to carry that into the fall league. Just homered last night, actually, as I'm recording this on the 14th of Wednesday. He homered on on Tuesday night, a two-hit performance there. And he's hit safely now in his last four games and continues to cut down on the strikeouts. The problem is it seems like when he has a bad game and his timing's off, it it piles up there, right? You'll see the two or three strikeouts, but then you'll see stretches where there's no strikeouts in a game or just one strikeout in a game. So trying to find that consistency. And again, I think that's pretty tough to do when you're struggling to stay on the field health-wise. I'm excited to see Henry Davis behind the dish too. Uh, I don't have too much to add there because I've not been able to see much uh, with him not being on the field consistently with the glove to make any confident takeaways. I know I will be able to after watching him at the Fall League in a couple months here, so looking forward to doing that. But I'm expecting Henry Davis stock to, to rise through the Fall League and then into next year. And it's important to remember, still just 22 years old, will turn 23 uh, over the next in the next week or so, but still has plenty of time to work things out. And uh, by no means there should anybody be extremely worried about Henry Davis. Uh, but if he does continue to get injured, of course, that's something to watch. And maybe a move off of catcher if injuries continue to pile up for him may be in the works eventually uh, because the bat is really good uh, and the power is really exciting. And I think there's solid enough bat to ball skills to be a well-rounded hitter who could definitely carry the weight of production at just about any spot they want to stick him at. Looking at Jack Leiter, I've talked about him a little bit, and it's been an inconsistent season for Leiter. It's really about the command for him, and it's surprising because he did look very polished, one of the most polished pitchers in college baseball in 2021, which is part of the reason why We saw him go number two overall in this draft and also get fast track straight to double A where he made his professional debut at the double A level. The swing and miss stuff has been there, 109 strikeouts and 92 and two thirds innings. But again, the the fastball command has been the concern. Just the the consistency uh, across his arsenal has been the concern. And uh, that's something that he's going to have to work out in the offseason. There's a little bit of this, I think, irrepeatability of his mechanics at times, which is, again, surprising because he's so lower half-driven, seemed very under control at Vanderbilt, but there just seems to be 
a bit of a struggle to sync things up, especially with how much he really likes to drive off that back leg and have that explosive type of movement. It seems like sometimes he gets out ahead of himself and there's just a struggle to sync everything up. I have a lot of confidence that Jack Leiter will be able to uh, improve upon that as well. But you look at his last few starts, six walks in his last outing. That was also yesterday on Tuesday. Six walks and four and two-thirds innings, not what you want to see. He had strung together some solid outings before that. Back-to-back five-inning outings where he walked three or less, only gave up two earned runs and struck out plenty. But it seems like every time Leiter puts together a couple good starts, he takes a step back. I will say the second half of the season has been much more encouraging and with Leiter's work ethic, his athleticism, I mean, the bloodlines, he's got a pretty good built-in pitching coach with his father. I expect Leiter to, to make some adjustments this offseason and come back looking really strong uh, next year, where we presume he'll either repeat in the early going in double A or start in triple A. Probably should have started this year, started his professional career in high A. Hindsight's twenty twenty because I was very much on board for him to start the season double A, but I also wasn't watching him at camp. And it sounds like you know there was some command concerns at times when he was you know going through spring training there, and the Rangers still felt confident in that double A assignment. I'm always okay with confidence in your prospects, and if anybody is going to be able to weather the storm mentally, it's Jack Leiter. I I really admire the way he approaches the game and the way he's able to compartmentalize and and take everything and almost just go back assess it and learn and build off of that. And I think he's going to do that this season. And he talked just about the same exact thing on the podcast before the season. And that was something that was really fun to converse with him about. And you should definitely check out that interview with Jack Leiter earlier in the year. Uh, if you missed that one, the number three pick in 2021's draft Jackson Job was somebody that I was extremely excited to see because there is so much to love about his projection, his athleticism on the mound, the the stuff that is there too, right? We're talking about a mid-90s high spin fastball and a slider that can get up to 3,000 RPMs. And it's been really fun to watch. You've seen it go on Twitter. There's probably clips of, of the bite to that slider and, and how nasty it looks aesthetically. But I would say Jackson Job, it hasn't been a disappointing year by any means. He's been very solid overall. Has pitched well enough to you know earn the promotion to high A, and and the early going has looked pretty solid in high A. Uh, but for what Jackson Job looked like he would be, it's a little bit surprising that you know the swing and miss isn't quite there. And I was very curious, so I wanted to go back and watch a lot of starts of Job this year, and even talk to some within the Tigers organization. And it, it was. Kind of exactly what I thought I was going to hear. Uh, my takeaways were similar to what uh, what was kind of being discussed within the Tigers organization, which is very optimistic and happy with what they've seen from Job so far this year. You look at the numbers, uh, I mean, they're solid overall. Fought off what was a bit of a slow start, now a 3-8-4 ERA in 77 and a thirds inning. He only walked 30. He struck out 81. The thing with Job, though, is... The fastball command, especially in the early part of the season, similar to to Jack Leiter, but in a bit more of a a different way where every once in a while, Job would just throw a non-competitive fastball and probably a bit too frequently uh, where you would just see, you know, no one count. Job gives away a a pitch there where it's a fastball and it's just nowhere near the zone, didn't serve much of a purpose. And uh, beyond that, hitters were not very concerned about his changeup. The feel for the changeup has not been there much. So hitters were, were able to shut down, even though the slider is so nasty, there's a lot of break to it. They were able to shut that pitch down because 
they were saying, okay, spot the breaking ball and, and you can beat me. I'm just going to hunt the fastball. And especially when you're not hitting your spots with the fastball as much as you should, uh, it, it makes it a little bit easier to game plan. Hitters aren't as worried about the changeup. They're going to dare you to locate the slider for a strike. And then also, you know, you, you got to hit your spots with the fastball or else it's going to get hit hard. And that's why he's given up 14 home runs in just those 76 innings or 77 innings so far this season. The interesting thing is, is Job Slider looks good overall, but because of the ability to kind of craft that approach as a hitter, the chase rates haven't been there. And the, the way that that slider can play up is when he establishes the fastball. And if you remember you know, the way I talked about Hunter Brown and the way his arsenal tunnels uh, off of itself, the way he's able to really create that tunneling nightmare for hitters uh, in that last episode I talked about, it's because of the way the fastball sets the tone for his curveball and even his slider. Uh, for Job, the, the fastball really hasn't set the tone. It's been easier to differentiate the slider out of the hand from the fastball, and that's fine. I mean, this kid just turned 20 years old. He's extremely young. And those are all things and nuances of pitching that are going to come as he you know, continues to progress. But I, that would probably give you a little bit of a clue into why the strikeout numbers have been lower than we'd expect. They were still pretty decent in low A. Uh, he struck out more than 10 per nine. But since the promotion to high A, small sample size, only 15 and two thirds innings, but only 10 strikeouts there. Uh, and I think that's a little bit of a testament to more advanced hitters being able to make that adjustment. Job has the ability to be a high volume strikeout guy, but he's going to need to locate the fastball better while repeating that release point with the slider a bit more. And then, of course, as many young power pitchers, the changeup will need to you know, come along as well. But Job is still showing a lot of good things. The command overall, or I should say the control overall, has been pretty solid. The command is where he can improve, but at least the, the control has been there because we talk about a jack lighter. There's times where the control even goes to the wayside and the walks are way too high, uh, whereas Job has you know, been able to keep the free passes to a minimum. That's gotten better as the year has gone on. And I'm still incredibly optimistic on Job, but you know, maybe not as much of the... You know, a wonder can hit the ground running straight out of high school dominate the way Andrew Painter has I mean if we did a redraft I've probably seen enough at this point I definitely have seen enough to take Andrew Painter ahead of Job and I think Painter is exactly what the Tigers thought Job would be out of the gate and Job has a little bit more of the uh, rawness to his arsenal or rawness to his game that a lot thought painter would have so it's interesting how that all works and that's why drafting in major league baseball and sports in general is so difficult uh, I've talked a lot about Marcelo Meyer and and Jordan Lawler so you know no need to go too deep into those guys those guys have both looked fantastic uh, so far this season and I think both teams both the Red Sox and the Diamondbacks are extremely happy to have picked up Marcelo Meyer at four, who easily could have went 1-1, and Jordan Lawler at six, who I think also could have easily went 1-1. Lawler adjusting to double A, but has shown some good things and has launched four home runs in 16 games. Strikeout rate has started to you know normalize a bit, and he's starting to look more comfortable there. Marcelo Meyer did not quite get the bump to double A as far as I know, unless I missed that somewhere, but uh, settled into high A. Numbers continue to get better. He's hitting the ball really hard, so I'd like to see him tap into some more power. Ground ball rate a little high. That's fine. He's young. He's going to sink up the lower half and the upper body. He's a tall guy at 6'3". That's all going to come. I think Marcelo Meyer looks really good. Both those guys had as, as exciting and as strong of a first full professional season as prep guys as you could ask for and expect. I will say, 
the number five pick, someone I've talked about plenty as well, so I won't spend as much time on him. Colton Kowser. I mean, Kowser has been everything that the Orioles could have wanted and more. We saw Kowser as that underslot guy for the Orioles, as they always do. Probably wouldn't have been picked that high. Uh, forget that. Forget that. Yes, they did underslot him, and that did help them, but that is not really relevant anymore because you do a redraft, which I'm really excited. We're going to do redrafts in the offseason uh, in the 2018-2019 drafts, and then even up to 2021, I'll do a redraft there too. And uh, I mean, Kowser's probably not going any later, and he's probably getting the full slot value if you do a redraft. He has just been dynamite this season, already hitting his way up to AAA. He got a taste of low A in 2021, where he was ridiculously good there. Started this year in high A, quickly climbed to double A, and now has earned himself you know, a couple weeks in AAA, where it's been a bit rough to start. But I mean, he has been so good overall this season. Tapping into more power, playing good defense in uh, center field, where I think he could easily stick there, and getting on base at a pretty high clip. He is a very exciting prospect who's going to be rising pretty quickly. A couple other guys that, you know, it, it's going to probably take more than 2021 to really be able to get a fair and good assessment of, of how they're doing. Frank Mazzucato, who was one of the surprise picks at number seven, but I did like the pick at the time, and I, I still think there's a lot to like here. He's still so raw, 19 years old, Northeast prepster. Uh, you know, it's going to be a slow burn with him. And Mazzucato with the Royals, I mean, he has shown some really good things overall this season, but still the fastball is averaging you know, 90 to 92 miles an hour. The curveball has looked really good. Uh, it's a nasty pitch, but the command has, has not quite been there. And just overall, the command for Mazzucato has just been a bit iffy. That's fine. He's a high school pitcher who you know was, was seen as more of that raw profile that was going to take some time. And in low A this season so far, he's pitched to a 4-3 ERA. He has struck out 89 guys in 69 innings, but he's also walked 51. So uh, I expect the Royals to really focus on the command with Mazzucato. The concern is the Royals have continued to go stuff over command and have struggled to develop such pitchers through the years. And it just makes me a bit concerned with Mazzucato of that's probably not the best environment you want that 19 year old to be in, but 6'3", 180 pounds, a lot of physical projection. I think the velo is going to bump up. But that's not really the question here. The curveball is good. I think he has a chance to have a really nasty arsenal. But can he throw enough strikes? That's the question. And the Royals have struggled to develop such pitchers with such questions. Benny Montgomery, uh, that's somebody that I've talked about a little bit when we talked about the Rocky system in that episode and kind of breaking down uh, the Rockies' top prospects. Montgomery was a really tough guy for me to peg here because... The tools are off of the charts, but when I was writing up that Rocky system and it was earlier in the season, I didn't have as much, uh, you know, really video or data or just numbers, period, just regular baseball slash line numbers to deal with because he, he had been on the shelf for a little bit. And what I was able to see from Benny Montgomery was a hitter with a very loud hitch, uh, some moves that are disruptive, a big guy at 6'4", 200 pounds, but I was definitely concerned, and I still am to a degree, but he's made some really impressive improvements in that regard. But it, there was a loud hitch, there was a length to his swing, and plenty of whiff in the early going. Small sample size is all I had to deal with there, but I saw the hitch, I saw the whiff. I'm like, eh, I'm a little concerned here. I'm, I'm aware that this guy could be 
a superstar if he puts it all together for the Colorado Rockies, but um, there's definitely some concerns. Every time I've checked in on Benny Montgomery, that extremely loud hitch in high school uh, and even loud hitch in the early going of his professional career continued to be tamed down and tamed down and tamed down. And now it seems like it's almost more of a very small, I almost wouldn't even call it a hitch. It's, it's a move. It's it's a little bit weird still. Um, so it could probably still be categorized as a hitch, but it's been watered down and watered down and it's not as disruptive of a move. And shockingly, right? Uh, you, you quiet down the extraneous movement. You're able to repeat your timing more. All of a sudden, Benny Montgomery has been on an absolute heater in low A. And it's, it's important to remember, he just turned 20 years old, literally five days ago. Happy belated to Benny Montgomery. But you look at his last 25 games in low A. I mean, he has been ridiculous. 346, 440, 598 slash line, strikeout rate at 21%, walk rate at 11%, showing more patience there as well. And he's put up some really impressive exit velos. He's hit three home runs. He's showing some speed. You look at the numbers now overall in the season, he's been able to leave the yard six times. He's swiped nine bags. Uh, There is some crazy tools to dream on here. We're talking about a plus-plus runner with plus-raw power. Uh, We've seen him hit the ball as hard as you know, 113 miles an hour this year, which is ridiculous for a 19, 20 year old with his frame with much more room to fill out. You imagine uh, there's probably plus plus raw power to dream on here. We're talking about a 70 speed, 70 power combination potentially here with Montgomery. I was extremely concerned about his ability to you know, really just be able to hit enough for that to matter. But given how young he is, it would have been ridiculous to swear him off this early, especially considering that He only played 14 games at the complex last year after the draft. And then that's really all we've seen from him professionally. So, of course, you got to give kids like that, especially with his profile, more time. And when you see the tangible adjustments, there's a lot to be excited and encouraged about. And I definitely have seen uh, those improvements and, and reason to believe that, you know, maybe there is some hope that he can tap into those plus plus raw power and plus plus speed uh, tools that can, you know, kind of make themselves more evident in game. And I think we're already seeing that his zone contact has hovered around 80% this season. And with how hard he hits the ball, already a 90th percentile exit velo of 104.3 miles per hour, which is well above average. And he will tap into you know, much more of that uh, as he consistently hits the ball harder, which we've seen the high-end max exit velos. It's just more the consistency side of things, which he has continued to show that as the year has gone on. I'm very excited about what we've seen from Benny Montgomery. Also, he was chasing at a really high rate because there was a lot of moving parts to his swings and he had to make uh, decisions earlier, right? If you have a moving part to your swing that delays your ability to get to the ball as quickly, you're going to have to decide whether you're swinging or not earlier. You decide if you're swinging earlier, you're more likely to make a wrong decision. His simpler moves or just the simplification of his swing has given him more time to see the baseball and now having more time to see the baseball has allowed him to make better decisions. And as a result, we've seen the chase rate drop about 10% over the last month or so of the season. I think that is a great sign. And he's shown enough to start next year in high A. And I'm very excited to see how he does there. He's played a lot of games in center, which I love because I think he can stick out there. Even with adding some muscle, he's got room to add another 15, 20 pounds of muscle if, if he wants to, which you can imagine how much power he'd have in the tank at that point. 
Uh, but there is so much to like uh, with his upside. And I think even since I did the Rockies write up a little over a month and a half ago, I believe there's enough that has changed to say that he is rising uh, since that write up. And uh, that is something that is awesome to see. And that's why it's ridiculous to put a ceiling on these younger prospects that have the tools like they do. I mean, look at what Jason Dominguez has even done with the 180 from what was a disaster last year to looking like a much more well-rounded and exciting prospect this year uh, with really good bat-to-ball skills and a good overall approach, which he was the opposite of last season. Getting to pick 11, um, this was one that (laughs) has not really trended the way I thought thought it would uh, given what we saw on draft day and and through his college season and you know where he is now and what he looks like now is just seems like Jekyll and Hyde two different kind of things here and it's Sam Bachman of, of the LA Angels who was selected at number nine I think we, we've seen the Angels go crazy pitcher heavy almost over the last couple of years because they needed pitching so bad but also not only pitching heavy advanced college arms for the most part that they felt like could climb quickly because that's what they need. They're trying to win now. Obviously, they didn't do a good job of that this year, but that's always been the perspective when you have Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. And they went with Sam Bachman, someone who, when the draft went down, I was like, hey, he could be fast-tracked to the bullpen with the stuff that you know he has, especially when we were seeing a fastball that was touching triple digits, a slider that was disgusting, and even a changeup that he could mix up, mix in, and, and you're, you're thinking, okay, maybe... You fast track him to the bullpen if the Angels are competitive, and then in the long term, you turn him into a starter. Uh, he has looked nothing like that. Uh, the fastball has not been that upper 90s heater that everybody was talking about. I mean, you you look at all the scouting grades on his heater. They're extremely high. I think Van Graff's had a 65 on it, present grade. Uh, Baseball America had, and, and this is not me saying they were wrong. This is me saying this is what we all thought. Baseball America had a 70 on the fastball and a 70 on the slider. I mean, that seemed to be what the consensus was. That's what I saw in a lot of the college games. Yes, it was Miami University, not University of Miami, Miami of Ohio. uh, But that doesn't really matter if he was throwing a bullpen. Those bullpens would have even been impressive. But you look at the numbers this year and just has not been what we thought Sam Bachman would be. Uh, Between high A and double A this year, it's been pretty rough. A 3A2 ERA is respectable, but... How about the fact that he has walked as many batters as he has struck out in 37 and two-thirds innings? 25 strikeouts, 25 walks. That is not what we were expecting from a guy that's supposed to have two-plus pitches that were supposed to be big league-ready pitches. The slider has been impressive at times in the upper 80s with you know good bite to it. It's sharp. He commands it well and looks like it could be a plus big league pitch, but that sinker, that heavy fastball is more in the, the low 90s, touching the mid 90s. He doesn't command it well at all. Uh, it doesn't look like the pitch it was. And then he, ha- he has had no feel for the changeup, really. Uh, so you're looking at a one-pitch guy that almost reminds me of Levi Stout to a degree. I think he can ride that slider to a big league bullpen eventually, but not to be the lights out guy that we thought he could be at the very least and uh, forget the uh, middle rotation projection that you're hoping for. I think you're, you're hoping for more of a back end uh, rotation guy, unless something really clicks in the off season and he comes back throwing upper nineties, which, you know, who knows that can always happen. Uh, But then the command would also have to make massive strides as well. I'm not feeling good about Sam Bachman right now. And it's just been a disaster for the angels over the last 
a year and a half, whether it be, you know, with their organization. I think they've done a lot of really good things overall. A lot of the pitchers and volume that they've drafted, you know, I think have been positive for the organization and uh, especially with the progress that we've seen from Reed Detmers and other guys as well. And I, Cole Silseth, I think has been a positive story and Kai Bush has been a positive story, but you can't miss on your number nine pick uh, when you are the angels and you had one of baseball's worst farm systems and you're trying to find high floor college guys, especially, right? They weren't swinging for the fences here. They went safer and honestly, I would say that I would take just about any guy in the first round already over Sam Bachman at this point. And you know, that's that's not the best news for Angels fans at this point. So definitely concerned about Bachman, and I hope he turns it around. But I'm not as optimistic that he will. Brady House uh, at the number 11 pick, I believe. Yeah, Washington Nationals, number 11 pick. One of the more exciting power high school bats uh, out of that draft class. And a a lot of people were saying, hey, this might be the best power bat in the class. The high school class, that is. But again, this is ridiculous to to swear off Brady House as well. He's in the same boat as somebody like Benny Montgomery, maybe not as toolsy uh, in terms of just all of the upside that he has, both speed and just dynamic and and projection-wise physically. But Brady House is a big dude at 6'3", a little bit more filled out at 215. But there's plus power to dream on here, but maybe not quite the guy that you know a lot of people had seen uh, when he was going through his draft process or going through the pre-draft process of, oh, this could be the best power bat out of the prep class. I think that ship has sailed potentially uh, given, and it's more of a testament to how good the other guys are. I, I think even Jordan Lawler, though he's not a quote-unquote power bat looks like the more impactful power bat. Uh, Marcelo Meyer, I think, will tap into power where you're saying, okay, yeah, that I'll take that guy too. And even Harry Ford has been hitting the ball really hard. Uh, but we'll talk about some of the other you know, later picks that have shown some really good power, like Max Muncy uh, and even Carson Williams. I think those guys have shown a little bit more impact so far. That's been the surprise for me uh, because you'll get the 90th percentile exit velo for Brady House, 101 miles per hour. That's okay because you know a lot of young guys, they, they struggle with even just their median contact, it's going to be a little bit lower. They're not hitting the ball as consistently hard. But what we've seen, we haven't seen Brady House really even flash the high, high end exit velos. We're talking about Benny Montgomery is struggling to find consistency, but has flashed, you know, 113, 114. Uh, the best that we've seen so far from Brady House in the air, I believe, is 106. That's not to say, oh, he has no power. He can only, you know, the max exit velo is only 106 miles an hour. Nothing to dream on here. It's just that he's struggling to even tap into it uh, at, at the maximum level. And, you know, with Benny Montgomery comparing these two, Montgomery has shown that he can already tap into it at games at t- in games at times. It's just the consistency side of things. With Brady House, I'm seeing a hitter here that's, that's very armsy. Um, I think he's very focused on making contact and just being a, a solid hitter, which I'm fine with. You know, I want to see guys hit the ball first consistently, then tap into that power more. But you know, haven't even seen it flash that much. And it's because of the lack of presence in it from his lower half. It's very much an armsy swing. Uh, the load is quiet, which is good. That's helped him, you know, I think make more contact than, you know, he looked like he was going to be able to make in the early parts of the season, but there's just not much explosion. There's not much twitch. It's a very simple, just throw your hands at the baseball swing, which has just not really allowed him to tap into much juice. An isolated power below a hundred is not what you'd want to see from, you know, a guy that's going to probably move to third base off a shortstop and you know, most likely is is 
going to need the bat to carry him. And it's not like he's been a an elite bat-to-ball guy, still striking out 29% of the time in low A, so and only walking 6% of the time. So you want to see him lean into you know that power dynamic a bit more if he's going to still strike out near 30% of the time and, and not even really get on base at the greatest clip. I will say it's encouraging that he's putting bat on ball and a 277, 355, 373 slash line overall is is nothing to you know be upset about, but 373 slugging from Brady House and low A is something to monitor here. And uh, I'm hoping that we see him next year with a much more involved lower half. I think out of all of the younger hitters I've seen, it's one of the more upper body driven swings that I've seen. Uh, so that that is encouraging in one way. It's it's kind of, you know, you could look at it two different ways here. And I'm going to lean on the optimistic side always because I want to see all of these guys thrive. What's encouraging is there's way more juice in there that he's not tapping into and not in a way of, oh, he can throw on more muscle. Like he's physical enough now to tap into more power. He's just not making uh, the right moves and not using his body well enough to tap into it. If he finds a way to do that, we could see a much more powerful Brady house. Still overall, you know, it doesn't look like a disaster at the plate. looks fine, uh, has made some improvements as the year has gone on, and still looks like a very solid prospect. Uh, but I think some of the high school guys drafted behind him have shown a little bit more both already and shown a little bit more upside. But still Brady house, very solid prospect who the Nationals do need to hit on here because... I mean, even though they have that huge influx of talent with the the Juan Soto trade, uh, the rest of the system is a bit barren, and and I think Brady House is one of those players that they could really use at least even a 60th or 70th percentile outcome with, which would be a still solid hitter at the big league level. Harry Ford has been really good, and I don't know why he hasn't gotten as much of the love outside of Seattle circles that he deserves. I mean... High school catcher, biggest stigma on earth. Nobody wants to touch him with a 10-foot pole. And I've always said that Harry Ford was my exception to that because Harry Ford is the most athletic high school catcher I've ever seen. Uh, maybe one of the most athletic catching prospects, period, I've ever seen. And has a fallback of center field because he's so fast. And the bat is is really solid. And we've seen just that. I mean, what Harry Ford has done this year in the Seattle Mariners organization is spectacular. Playing the season in low A... As a 19-year-old, we've seen him tap into the power. We've seen him consistently hit the baseball, and he's also swiped bags. 274, 425, 438, slash line, 11 homers, 23 stolen bases, 18% walk rate, 23% K rate. I mean, Harry Ford, while also shouldering the load of learning the catching position at a professional level, and I've liked what I've seen from him in that regard, too. There have been some lapses with blocking, but that's just more fundamental stuff. I mean, he is such a freak athlete that he can get, he can slide behind the dish so well. He can get to spots. And, and I think just so twitchy as well that I think he could slide his body over, block pitches, uh, get to where most catchers can't get that quickly. I'm not concerned about the blocking, but 14 pass balls, you got to note that in 54 games. But he has also been able to throw out 27% of base dealers. The arm looks really good back there. He's going to get better with the blocking. But even if all went haywire defensively I still love the bat and the athleticism so much that I am pro Harry Ford being a top 100 prospect and and spoiler alert he will be as you see the update very soon in zone whiff not bad at all or if you want to flip the converse of that zone contact could improve it's gotten better as the year's gone on 79% zone contact though is is more than solid and I think the most impressive thing from Harry Ford so far this season has been 
The low chase rates, I mentioned the high walk rate, but he does not chase. Only a 15% chase rate so far this season. He makes great swing decisions. He's extremely patient. Uh, and, and I'd like to see him you know, be a little bit more consistent with the bat to ball, but we have seen him hit the ball really hard this year while also not expanding the strike zone. He has a great approach against secondary stuff, both lefties and righties, some of the more advanced arms he's faced at that level. He's looked very comfortable. Harry Ford was one of my favorite players, especially in the high school ranks out of that draft class. And I mean, he continues to reinforce that idea and continues to look like one of the steals, I think, of the draft at number 12 uh, as a high school catcher that just brings all of the things to the table that you don't really get from any catcher in Major League Baseball besides JT Real Muto. And he's probably more athletic than him. Will Bednar was the 14th pick by the San Francisco Giants, and you know Bednar looked really good at Mississippi State. Uh, has a nice pitch mix, including a nasty, nasty slider, uh, and good command that made him seem like one of the candidates to be able to climb quickly. Um, we thought he could be fast-tracked to the big leagues as well. Injuries have cut his season short. He hasn't pitched since June, and when he was on the field, it, it wasn't quite as good good overall as, as I was hoping for a college arm. Uh, you know, we saw the Giants kind of baby him a little bit. He was not stretched out much more than four and a third innings. He showed some flashes of some dominance here and there. Uh, and I think one of the last outings of the year was was a really encouraging uh, start from him. And assuming he's healthy, we might see him in the fall league. But he went five innings of one hit ball, struck out six. And then he, he had a little bit of a blow up in his final outing against the same team five days later, the San Diego Padres low A affiliate. And then we haven't seen him since. That was June 12th. So, uh, you know, we'll see how the health is, see you know, when he is back and, and what the deal is with Bednar. But there were flashes of the Will Bednar we could expect, though, you know, the fastball was closer to the low 90s, averaged about 91 miles an hour. Slider was 83, changeup was 86. He does have the three speeds there, but you know, you'd like to see a bit more on the fastball. Uh, I don't know if he was totally right, really, from the get-go, and, and that might have been why we saw him on, on short innings in his starts and then ultimately you know, shut down. Uh, for you know, since June twelfth, so I, I want to reserve any any major judgment for Bednar at this point, but you know, definitely not quite the start to his professional career that we thought, but still relatively young at twenty two years old, and you know, should be able to make up for lost time with more polish than most of the other pitchers in this class. Uh, Sal Freelich, I've talked about him so much. I, I love what Sal Freelich brings to the table. Just look at his numbers, and and you know what kind of player he is. He's going to be really fast. He's going to make a ton of contact. He is Stephen Kwan, I think, with more speed. Uh, maybe not quite elite as the con with the contact, but also a little bit more power to dream on. So you know, there's there's I love that comp. I have that in the write up, and I think that's kind of what you can expect there. And he should be uh, in the mix for big league time next year uh, for the Brewers. I think he could even break camp. An interesting one here is Khalil Watson, and I've been really hard on Khalil Watson for a lot of reasons. I mean, you know, off the field issues, or I guess you could say on the field, given that he pointed his bat at an umpire and uh, what we believe to be looked like simulating shooting him uh, after he said he went around on a check swing. That was just the breaking point of what's been uh, a slew of really frustrating moments for the Marlins with their young uh, top pick here. Khalil Watson was expected to go very high in this draft. I had him going three in our mock draft. He falls to the Marlins to 16. They give him over slot uh, to sign him. I was floored with what I saw from him at the complex uh, during spring training. The bat speed is some of the most impressive bat speed I've seen from a high school hitter maybe in some time. And uh, you, you can see why Khalil Watson was was viewed as you know one of the most exciting 
high school bats in this class as well, and potentially one of the most powerful. And he's shown that in flashes this year. Uh, but man, where the strikeouts a disaster, F- forget the off the field stuff and some of the character concerns, which I think played a part in him falling in this draft. But also, you know, there was some whiff <laughs> big time in the early parts of the season. He was swinging at everything and he was whiffing at a lot. You look at his first 200 plate appearances, he was chasing at 40, he was chasing 42% of pitches with an end zone contact of just 63%, which is, you know, just not going to fly. You're not going to be successful that low. Even some of the game's best power hitters can hover around 70%. And those guys that aren't making consistent contact almost never chase, like the Joey Gallows of the world. So that was a major concern. Watson does that, you know, point the bat at the umpire thing and ultimately gets put on, you know, I would guess the best way to, to call it is like disciplinary leave. Uh, they didn't call it a suspension, but he was not playing. He was not with the team. And uh, there was a lot of uncertainty there. He comes back on July 22nd and continues to play in low A for the Marlins and looks like a much different hitter and in a good way, chasing way less, cuts the chase right nearly in half to 25%. I will say the zone contact still not where you want it to be, but better. 72% zone contact is better. It's getting to the more respectable range and uh, still flashing the power. A ton of triples. I think five in those 29 games since he returned to be exact. The numbers don't jump off the page since returning from that leave of absence, but a far cry from where he was before. 255, 364, 471 slash line. That's an 834 OPS. While he hit five triples, two homers, six doubles, And most importantly, cut the strikeout rate to 26%, walked 14% of the time. The speed is plus. Uh, He is an insane athlete with exciting power potential from the left side. Uh, But obviously, a lot of concerns here with the swing and miss. And then also, you know, whatever he is dealing with and and some of the frustrations with the Marlins just handling him in terms of being a pro. Um, That can come along. It's important to remember he's 19 years old uh, and a young 19-year-old. But I I do think, you know, going from a place where he's going to be off of our top 100 list, he's still a very relevant prospect with the improvements that he's made, with the athleticism that he brings, and and just there's still so much to dream on here uh, from the Marlins shortstop prospect. Very encouraged from what what we saw to finish the season, and I hope that he can continue that rolling into next year as well, uh, but definitely something to watch uh, as we move forward here uh, and see how the Marlins decide to handle things with Watson, uh, but definitely a strong finish to what looked like a lost season at points for the Marlins first round pick. At pick 17 was Matt McClain, and, and man, I, I loved that pick for the Cincinnati Reds, and it has continued to look like a good pick for the Cincinnati Reds, I will say, and McClain hasn't quite been the bat-to-ball guy that we thought he'd be, but I mean, for this kid who's a shortstop that can play all over at a UCLA, turned down first-round money out of high school, uh, looked great on the Cape, had a great final season at UCLA and played his way into the first round again uh, and, and really bet on himself and ended up you know, working out for him. And it doesn't always work out that way. First-round guy out of high school that ends up being an earlier first-round guy after playing at college, which was always his dream at UCLA. Uh, the power has been more present than I thought you know, it would be, which is encouraging. The bat-to-ball has been a little bit less present than I thought it would be, which is a tad discouraging, but the speed that he brings, the positional versatility, and just the gamer in him, I think all paints a picture of a really well-rounded player that I think could be their everyday shortstop, could be their everyday center fielder down the line, but 
I'm starting to have some more concerns about Ellie De La Cruz at short uh, as I watch more and more with his hands specifically. I think he can move off of that position. Matt McClain looks like he could be the shortstop of the future here. I love the defense he brings to the table. The speed is really exciting. He continues to get better and better as a base dealer. The power is a nice development. You assume that Matt McClain can continue to you know, improve in the bat-to-ball department because that's always been a big part of his game, and he's always had a great feel for the barrel. Uh, he's going to be a really well-rounded player that the power is going to tick up really tick up, I think, in Cincinnati as well. There's 20-plus homer potential. He's 25 for 28 on bags this season. Just find a way to make some more consistent contact, even if you have to give up a little bit in the power department. Uh, that's fine. 16 homers in 98 games in AA is really solid. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't need to be that guy because the power, the doubles will turn into homers in Cincinnati, and I want to see more bat to ball. I realize we're, we're already at about the 42-minute mark here, and there's still so many guys I want to break down and talk a lot about, which is crazy because I actually think the second half of this draft may be just as good as the first half of the draft. So I'm going to break this into two episodes and drop the second episode legitimately right after this. Uh, so if you are listening immediately right now, by the time you're hearing this, the next episode is probably out. I apologize if you're, if you're excited to hear it all in one spurt, but I, I can promise you there's a 99% chance by the time you're listening to this, uh, the other episode is out. The reason why I'm going to split this up is because I'm going to list you 10 names that I really want to get in depth on and talk about. And you're going to be like, okay, I'd rather, or I'm probably go more in depth on those guys than rush through it. Uh, this usually happens when I'm with Jack. It doesn't usually happen when I'm alone. Uh, but I think this has the chance to be one of the best draft classes we've seen in some time. And I still want to talk about Michael McGreevy, Gunnar Hoglund, Trey Sweeney, Jordan Wicks, Colson Montgomery, Gavin Williams, who I think you'll be shocked at how high he's going to be on our top 100 list. How about Max Muncy, Chase Petty, Jackson Merrill, Carson Williams, Maddox Bruns? Uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. We got Ty Madden, Aaron Zavala, who is going to be a top 100 guy. Isaac Pacheco has been insane. Connor Norby, one of my favorite prospects. Like, I need to go way beyond this. How about Edwin Arroyo? Well, one of the big pieces in that Luis Castillo deal, who's a top 100 prospect now. Jaden Hill. I think I have some information on Jaden Hill that you might want to hear that I have not seen him getting any coverage. I have some pitch data on him I want to get to. So all that to say, I want to talk about more of these guys more in depth. And oh yeah, what about Kyle Manzardo at 63 overall with the Rays? There are so many prospects I want to get into going to do that. So I'll split these episodes into two. I hope you enjoyed this part one of the 2021 draft, kind of looking at all these prospects through their first full professional season. I think you're really going to enjoy the redrafts that we're going to do in the offseason. It's kind of a little bit of a, a sampler into just the way that we're going to recap a lot of these draft classes. Uh, but I'm going to get into part two of a lot of the names that we just mentioned uh, in the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this part one. I'll talk to you in a few minutes here on part two. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.